Welcome listeners to the Premium Investment Leader Series podcast. I'm Damien Chilmy, Head of Investment Managers and Governance here at Premium Australia. And today we have the great pleasure of speaking to Anthony Kirkham, who is Head of Investment Management at Western Asset Management. Anthony uh, heads up the Australian bond capability there at Western. He's been there for 22 years and manages $17 billion across that strategy. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me today. And uh, listeners won't know that uh, it took us about three or four goes uh, to do this one here. We had a, a number of COVID interruptions. And I tell you what, the discussion, I think, over this uh, four-month period probably would have changed a huge amount. Yes, a huge amount. In fact, uh, I think uh, the first four months of this uh, year are going to go down in record time, you know, t- books because we've obviously seen such an amazing rise in, in bond yields over that period. Yep. So, as you said, a discussion that was talking about a bond yield um, back four months ago is very different from where we are now. Exactly. So we're, we're looking at Christmas last year and uh, US 10s are virtually, the yields virtually doubled. Uh, the first quarter, I think, was probably about the, 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 the biggest drawdown in bond portfolios, I think, on record. Yes. I would go as far as saying. 94, I think, throughout the whole year was bad. So can you walk us through a, uh, a seismic quarter? I mean, we had bond yields, uh, you know, at, at incredibly low levels, record low levels, you know, driven by QE uh, in many countries. Uh, and you had negative yields in some places as well. Mm. So we've, we've come a long way in that period. And, and clearly bond yields have been held down uh, by those factors. Um, deliberately, obviously, to try and encourage uh, growth in the economy. Um, but of course, now with inflation that was talked about as being transitory through uh, 2021 by many central banks coming to 22. And I guess the biggest pivot was probably uh, the US Fed, uh, where they went from uh, using that word transitory to shelving the word transitory, and then obviously uh, moving very quickly to tightening rates. And of course, now we're in an environment where they're talking about moving, you know, 50 basis points in three consecutive meetings, which um, is a long way from where they're at uh, not that long ago. So it's been a big pivot by all central banks. RBA is no different. Um, a lot of people obviously chatted about, you know, the way the RBA has moved um, from talking about not moving rates for three years to, you know, one year later moving. So, um, yeah, it's certainly been a shock for markets and an adjustment not only for bonds, but clearly for other asset classes as well, as that cost of debt has risen, as you highlighted by so much. So let's just refresh and talk about correlations for a moment. Um, so we, we had a, an interesting period, especially in Q1, with you know, equities going down, possibly led by, by rates as well too. So you know, the, the correlation was quite positive out of that there. You know, this, yes, it's one quarter, but how do you see the kind of backdrop for, for correlations in general uh, between, between rates and equities? Yeah, I think uh, part of that is probably driven by what I was talking about before. I mean, the fact that you had bond yields being held down artificially for so long, uh, you know, something had to give at some point. And obviously the talk of inflation, um, the need to actually move uh, rates higher, obviously drove um, that huge uh, repricing that needed to occur. And so I guess when you have periods like that, you're going to have you know, correlations moving closer to one as those markets need to reprice. Um, I think importantly, and now that we actually do have a bond 
market that I think is more fairly priced. In fact, some could argue, and we would argue, it's probably gone to the cheap side. But the point is that you know, you're now in a, an environment where they can actually move how you'd expect them to move, mm. and that negative correlation aspect of bonds is certainly uh, coming back. And you know, where you've got this reset um, means that you you can obviously see bond yields moving lower, which you couldn't before when they were being held down at you know such low levels and negative to in some countries. To the benefit countries. of equities, as yeah, well, to the so benefit, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then, and at some point that had to change yeah. um, because clearly we've seen it globally. It's not just an Australian phenomenon where you've had uh, asset prices moving higher, but house prices move higher in every single country because rates were so uh, low and artificially low. So we wanted to move out of the um, pandemic and and assist the market by having cheap funding, but it was probably held on for too long, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah. and and artificial, I think that that was an interesting point. And and then the ability to kind of operate a bit more in, independently because they're not as artificially constrained in a way. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that that bodes well. And, uh, you know, definitely we, we saw um, across uh, our, especially across the SMA program here, we can uh, view a lot of trading and mm. investment decisions. We did see a, a lot of buying in longer day to day yields, definitely uh, throughout the quarter, probably the back half, you know, into, into, uh, March or so, so the it's getting attractive again. Mm. Um, let's talk about yields as well, because that's um, well. Uh, I suppose uh, income yields in particular, yeah, uh, because that was also one of the very challenging elements that investors had to, let's say, solve for four percent in, in a yield. That's you know for for many retiree clients and advisors working in in that kind of space. It's a kind of nominal drawdown rate that they're mm. looking for. Falls back on, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And I think, I guess that's the point. I mean, when you actually push people and push yields so low that people have been forced to actually make um, alternative investment decisions to get some sort of return. Mm. And I I think in some ways, it's why we've seen, you know, a number of sectors develop. I mean, crypto is a good example, but there's others, you know, even the market for buying number plates. You know, people have been going anywhere because putting money in the bank wasn't giving you a return. Mm. And you could say the same point about the bond fund, you know, the Australian bond fund that we manage, you know, it had a yield to maturity of somewhere just above one at the start of 2021. Uh, Now, after the sell-off that we've seen, we're looking at something more like 4.3, 4.4. I mean, that is a huge change in terms of um, the income that you can expect out of that bond fund. And as you highlight, the ability for it to actually provide that negative correlation that it couldn't before when it's mm. sitting so low is now uh, there and, and available. And therefore, people don't need to take the sort of risk that they've been taking to get what you would consider a, a yeah. more, you know, well, more exciting, uh, more attractive uh, return. It's, I'm sure it's exciting <laughs> for you, Ed. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. Can you break down the four? So you've got uh, tens at the moment, of what, here in Australia, about three and a half, and in the US at, at around three. So can you break down how you get in a nudge over four? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, it's a, you know, it's a core bond fund that, that covers government, semi-government, supranationals, and credit. Um, as well as you know, a smattering of asset-backed and covered bonds um, where, where appropriate. But the point is that it's diversified um, and therefore you're able to capture some of those spreads in those markets. And I think it's worth highlighting that, yes, it's not just been a rates move, but we've actually seen credit spreads widening, yep. partly because of that 
huge volatility that we've just talked about. Yeah. It's meant that investors have uh, obviously, you know, stepped back at times. And when you have that, um, obviously you see, you know, spreads widening. We've seen other risk markets, you know, equity is a great example where we've seen some pretty big down days. Um, and that obviously flows into those um, those riskier asset classes. Yeah, and credit um, as well. Yeah, too. and credit yep. as well. Yep. Even though in the bond fund, we're obviously talking about solid investment grade names, they're still going to be impacted by the broad theme that's going on within credit markets globally. Yeah, and I suppose that's a good story for, for investors as well. Like that, that 4% yield is looking at much better credit quality than someone chasing four yeah. in 2021. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're talking about a fund that has an average rating of AA minus. Yeah. I mean, many countries would love to have a AA rating these days. It's, mm. it's, you know, it's that solid, that defensive, and importantly, that's why you know we suggest people having an allocation because yeah. it is a core bond fund that is defensive in nature that can be there for the rainy days when your risky assets aren't working for yeah, you. That's right, and, so and that's even to, to reallocate then for yeah. into equities, etc., and so forth. Yeah, that's right. So. Correct, and have that liquidity that you need yeah. to be able to do so. So that's the important thing. No, that's a, it's, a, it's a good summary of uh, that that section there. Um, let, let's talk about inflation because. This is, I suppose, in many ways, the, the big backdrop uh, to that, that led off uh, most of this here. Mm. You talked about before, I mean, when, when we were talking about this before Christmas, we were kind of mulling up between, you know, transitory or permanent. Mm. Um, I don't think that that's, uh, debate is now quashed and quelled. Um, but, you know, so you've got US, you know, printing over 8%. It's, yeah. a, it's a massive number in anyone's uh, language. The... I'm just kind of curious about breakdown. Well, what's happening on on that one there? But importantly, as well as how long can it persist for as well? Because once it gets in there, mm. it kind of hangs around as well too, and that that's always the concern. And that's why you have, I suppose, central banks. Uh, that is their primary objective to to quell it because inflation can be a big problem. Yeah. So let's. Let's uh, explore inflation now. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting one, partly because, you know, it's been a couple of decades where really uh, central banks have been looking for inflation, mm. you know, wanting inflation uh, because they've been very concerned about deflation. And suddenly, uh, you know, in quick time, really, uh, we've seen that argument uh, quickly pivot and uh, now it's inflation that they're dealing with. And of course, we all know um, the tools that they have. They're relatively limited. Um, and hence, you know, they're pushing at this point uh, to tighten monetary policy from incredibly easy settings. But at the same time, those easy settings were such for a period where people did start to get reasonably indebted and started to borrow lots of money. So suddenly that sensitivity around raising rates is really critical um, and something that uh, clearly the central banks need to consider as they run down this path. But at the moment, I think part of the game is clearly, as you said, is to break that mentality around inflation. And so to do so, they need to tighten rates reasonably aggressively um, to obviously break that mindset, anchor inflation down again, uh, hopefully, and, and then uh, able to sort of settle down into it rather than obviously leading to a recession, which is the real risk um, with the game that's being played at this point. Uh, because if you move rates so quickly um, that you don't give that time to, to, to ascertain you know, what impact you're having, then you can quickly uh, stall an economy. And I think it is interesting when you start to look at some of the economies that are running a little ahead of time, 
Um, and New Zealand's a good example, probably six months ahead of most because of the way they dealt with the crisis. Consumer confidence has dropped off really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's something that you need to be mindful of because that is you know, going to dictate spending patterns. Um, and if you have that slowing up very quickly, then clearly um, you've got to slow down in growth. Mm. And th- this is a fascinating part, and we'll, we'll continue to explore this one. Uh, and I think you said to me that uh, New Zealand consumer confidence now is worse than during the depths of COVID. Yeah, worse than the depths of COVID, in fact, touching uh, where they were in the GFC, which is really, yeah, Yeah. it's quite telling in terms of um, that. And I think what I think central banks also need to uh, consider is that it's not just what they're doing on the monetary policy side, but you're also seeing, as we know, uh, with the increasing costs, petrol is a great example. Uh, It's significantly more now to fill your tank. Um, You also got that flowing through into broad energy prices, uh, heating a home, uh, cooking at home, everything is is starting to find that pressure as as well as the ingredients um, that, that you use uh, in the home as well that are obviously getting uh, pushed up in price because of those increased costs that need to be handed on to uh, the consumer from business to be able to keep operating mm-hmm. that business. Um, so yeah, that, that's the challenge. And, and inflation forecast is always difficult at the best of times, yeah. but then you, you're also confronted with a scenario that you've got central banks trying to break it as well too. Mm. So you've got, you know, probably an idea for the next three months, but then six months looks different and then maybe even 12 months because you've got to kind of forecast that that breaking occurred in it. So, so yeah. what's your, your general thoughts on inflation at the moment when we go out like six to 12? Yeah, look, I mean, the reason why we started out the, argument, the discussion around it being transitory, which is, you know, was of course the fact that we knew that there were issues that um, had been created through COVID um, supply issues that were clearly broken the whole supply chain mechanism globally. And, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of that. Yes, we've moved back to living with COVID. China clearly hasn't. They're still in a lockdown phase, and that's significant, uh, being such a critical growth engine. But you're also having, you know, the the fact that we took three times to actually have this meeting or three attempts, um, because you're seeing this across business as well. People are um, getting COVID. They're having to stay at home. Um, Business can't operate properly, and that's adding an extra dimension to... Um, this whole supply uh, chain problem. Um, And then you bring in, obviously, the Ukraine war, uh, as I said, the the Chinese lockdowns. You've got this continuation of these supply chains being impacted. Um, But at the same time, you can't just keep pointing to that um, and that it's going to go away because the reasons you said before is inflation started to get a little ingrained and people are now banging the table for a wage increase. And that... um, you know, bakes it in a little bit more as well. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about uh, labour um, mm. because the, those labour market uh, dynamics, you know, we, we've got, um, you know, historically low um, mm. unemployment rates here. Just to, to touch on that one there, does, um, open, you know, we're opening borders now as well. Um, yes. that, does that help out a bit? And and also, you know, frankly, they're, they're trying to, to crush demand as, as a result mm. of, uh, 
you know, these interest rate increases. So, so how do you see labour market and then wages in particular? Yeah, look, it's been challenging, I guess, for island nations like ourselves and, and New Zealand, once again, a good example of that, where obviously we did shut ourselves off to the rest of the world. And, you know, we're very reliant on immigration and that transitory worker to come through to assist certainly in the services sector. And we saw, obviously, a lot of those people that typically would travel around Australia and assist their uh, exit um, because they weren't getting the payments they needed to stay or that the job opportunities weren't there. So they were headed home. You know, borders only just recently opened, really, in in terms of things that, you know, would make it attractive to come here. And I think we're still being very much impacted by that. Um, And it's going to take time. And uh, unfortunately, we don't really have time on our side because... Obviously, the economy's got back to a certain uh, running level and, and therefore there's a real wage, there's a real pressure in terms of unemployment and that's obviously now being uh, moved across into wages. Mm. Um, but as I said, like it, we're at record lows. We're, you know, we're, we're going to be breaking that 4% level and, you know, uh, as soon as we do, that's, uh, that takes us into a new record low here in Australia. Uh, new Zealand, 32 that's absolutely... Uh, near its lows as well in records. So it's it's a real phenomenon for, for our countries. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about rates now and, and you know, potentially um, recessions, but, you know, talking about phenomena, it's like we're going to have the, you know, almost record low unemployment rate, mm. but now we're going to talk about recessions. Okay? Yeah, yeah that's right. Is that? Yeah, no, yeah. it is amazing. Yeah. It is, um, and, you know, this is you know, a real prospect at the moment because as we've seen in history, as soon as central banks start tightening, it's very difficult to make it a soft landing. And I think uh, when you consider all the extra dynamics of, you know, coming out of a pandemic, um, the amount of uh, assistance that was thrown in and now obviously retracting, it's it's going to have an impact in terms of um, activity levels and growth. And, And as you say, you're going to go from, you know, record low unemployment rate to, to obviously something that's going to move higher if we do go into um, some sort of recession or even growth slowdown would probably be enough uh, to cause uh, that to rise. Now, how impactful will that be? It's going to be very much dependent on how indebted people are and how needing uh, they are with required to, to that job and, and, and the hours worked uh, that will be really key for those payments that need to occur. No, no, yeah. exactly. So let's talk rates. Um, We've got forecasts out there. I think uh, Australia may be around 2% by year end, given that we're nearly halfway through the year as well. There's yeah. still plenty to come. Yeah. Um, and US says, I can do better than that. And they've got, what, nearly 3% uh, almost baked in by, by the end of the year. Yes, you're right. I mean, in terms of what the market is priced, it's very aggressive. Um, you know, in Australia, they're now talking about a 3% cash rate by the end of the year. That's what the market's factored. But when you hear what the RBA speak, uh, that they're not looking at that at all. They're thinking more around that 1.5, 175 cash rate by the end of the year. So yeah, I think someone's gonna be wrong. Um, at the moment, it appears to us, uh, based on the commentary from the RBA, that they're more likely to, to stick to the standard 25 basis point moves. Yeah, that you can't get there, as you said. Like we're, you know, we're already May, you know, uh, it's going to be difficult to get to three. And, and if you were to get there, then clearly the economy would stall. Yeah. And let, let's touch on, on that point between the big difference between, you know, some of the, the, the comments out of the RBA and market pricing. That, that's a huge 
divergence there. And I'm going to posit the question, is a lot of this to do with credibility issues for the RBA? Yeah, there definitely is. And, you know, you speak to offshore investors, uh, they absolutely bring it up um, because, you know, the RBA didn't really do anyone any favours last year with the yield curve control. They basically allowed the market to drive the direction um, and, uh, and, and basically ended up, you know, pulling the program um, you know, really in poor form in, in many ways. And that left a lot of people hurt um, and a lot of investors are exiting our market. Um, and we've seen it again really this year. Uh, even the move and the discussion points, uh, you know, in the April meeting um, versus, you know, what they did in the May meeting. They were talking about not seeing wages growth. And then the next meeting they announced they have seen some wages growth and a, and a tightening monetary policy by 25 basis points. So in terms of directing the market, they've done a fairly poor job yeah. and that certainly yeah. has impacted credibility. And I think that has a lot to do with, as you're highlighting, the fact that the market has priced in so much more because they just don't know. Um, mm. and, and therefore they're al- allowing for possibly more because they're saying less. Mm. <laughs> so it, it's a problem. And that, that, it's a really interesting point about you know, offshore investors and having a real concern here. Mm. Um, I don't think this is one that's been really touched on a lot. Do you see that maybe in in the 10-year rate? I know Australia's always structurally had higher rates in the US, but, you know, considering what the inflation outlooks are for the respective countries and even the path of interest rates as well, Mm. yeah, Aussie 10s are, well, at least 50 basis points higher than US 10s. Is that some... That premium or discount, if you will, is yes. that is that down to this uh, foreign investors' view of the RBA? I, I actually think there's something in that for sure, because yeah. as you said, it doesn't really make sense when you recognise what the Fed is planning to do, and yeah. actually most likely will do. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before. You know, three hikes of fifty basis points, you know, in a row is fairly aggressive tightening of monetary policy, and you've got the RBA talking something very different. And as I've said, very unlikely to be able to get there. So there's definitely a credibility issue or you needing to see a high yield to obviously attract that investment uh, mm. from offshore at yeah. this point in time. So staying on the credibility front, uh, yes. US Fred, Fed uh, has their credibility and uh, how, how do you see the, the path over the next you know, 12, 18 months there? I think, as I said before, I think there's a little bit of uh, extra talk around how aggressive they're going to be just to try and anchor that inflation expectation yep. down. And I think that's part of the reason why they're going at it so hard. And a number of the members are talking about such aggressive hikes because physically, I'm not sure that they could actually handle it. Either. And I think we may see a, certainly a change and we're already seeing it in terms of their consumer confidence levels as well, similar to what we were talking about before. Uh, locally, um, that that it is having an impact, and I think they won't need to go as hard, but they do need to talk tough uh, to obviously you know, anchor that inflation level back down again. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, touching on quickly on Europe, um, I did notice that a famous hundred-year uh, Austrian bond now trading under par. Um, so you know things are reversed out there uh, quite have. a lot as well. Is yeah. there any interesting stories out of Europe? Oh, I think it's just that normalisation we spoke about before. And I think it's absolutely needed because you can't have a market that's been manipulated for that long operate, you know, in a, in a fair way and, and uh, the way you want it to be uh, because it's so critical to have a liquid bond market. So, mm. 
to have a market that's been messed with for so long is is really it's important to get back to fundamentals yeah. and that's what we're seeing now globally which yeah. is good okay yeah. let's put it all together um sure. so i think you know the, the the rate increases are there they're pricing if not the market's actually probably a lot more aggressive than um even what the central bankers are saying. Mm. So, so market pricing is adjusted uh, quite a bit. So what have you done with your portfolios? You know, you've putting all this together. Yeah. How, how are you dealing in the scenario? How have you, have you moved the, uh, the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, we certainly uh, recognised, particularly through last year, and, and we saw bond yields getting down to those record lows again, mid-21. Um, and you could feel the economy was going to move once we opened up, and it, and it yep. did. And so we, we were short relative to our benchmark um, through the second half of last year into this year um, because we did think that it needed to revert to more of the fundamentals, um, and, that, and that's critical, as I mentioned before. So you know, in late March, we started to lean into the market because we started to think that it priced too much. Um, and have continued to do that through April and into May. So we're now long uh, relative to our benchmark because we think, like you just highlighted, that you know the market's priced in a little bit too much. Uh, and so we think that there's an opportunity there to, to get into bonds and, and get pick up that extra yield. Um, on the credit side, you know, we'd still feel comfortable around the fundamentals. And I think, you know, because of our market, it, there's a there's a there's a certainly a, a quality bias in Australia to issue in our market. We tend to have a higher investment grade market and we typically are made up of monopolistic, duopolistic uh, companies or regulated companies that can actually hand through a lot of that inflationary pressure. So we're comfortable with our exposure on that front um, and think that, yeah, certainly the yields on offer from an underlying perspective, as we were talking before, the rate side of things, but also in terms of where credit spreads have gone to, uh, I think are very attractive uh, from an investor. So we're leaning into that as well. Mm. And uh, the TFF uh, stop in, so so bank funding as well. Yeah. You know, you're hearing that they're back out there trying to uh, secure funding. Yes. You know, how's, how's that looking for banks at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, they've been probably the larger issuers this year. We've had, a, you know, really a, a slightly uh, smaller primary market than we'd expect it, uh, at this point in the, in the year. Um, and a lot of that's been driven clearly by um, other factors and you know the war in Ukraine, just the timing of um, Chinese New Year, all these factors sort of have meant that primary's been lighter. But the banks have needed to fund. They needed to get back in terms of their normal process of funding. And obviously credit growth's been really reasonably solid. So they've had to do that. They've, they've, had, they've had to reprice their whole curve um, yeah. as a result. Um, TFF was lovely for them, incredibly cheap funding, but yeah, it's repriced now. And, and I guess because they've been doing that, it's forced the rest of the market to uh, reprice as well. So yeah, I think that's part of why we've seen spreads widen too, um, and it does make it an attractive investment again uh, for investors. Um, I think we'll, we'll stop it there. This was, was a fantastic discussion. Um, everyone should always focus on rates and their bond portfolios and never more so now. And uh, hopefully we can do this again because this has been a, a huge uh, event and I think there's still plenty more to come. So we thank you very much, Anthony, for joining us. Yeah. It was fantastic. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you.